Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From beautiful Huntington Beach, California, on the HealthyLife.net radio network, heard in all 50 states and 135 countries, all positive talk radio all the time. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at CaregiverDave.com, along with my lovely co-host, former mayor of a California beach town and best-selling author, Debbie Peterson. Also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio video platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, and the list goes on and on. In fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, number two on Feedspot out of the top 60, number two on CaringMillers.com. And we have an exciting show planned for you today. Yuji Oka is the founder of Adapted Spiral Praxis, ASP, somatic body-mind process that can help children and adults with disabilities and special needs achieve their movement potential. He travels around the world working with families and caregivers to help them understand how to work with their children and also gain insight about their own needs and challenges. Unique approach to working with children and adults developed over 50 or 30 years ago, actually, of research and implementation with schools and medical institutions and community centers it can be seen through his beautifully intimate videos on the ASP YouTube channel. Before we get started, I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, certified nutritionist Amy Fox, She's on a mission to educate everyone about how our food choices affect our health and happiness. Just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one, on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Yuji, so great to have you on the Caregiver Dave Show. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Dave. And I always like to ask my guests just who is Yuji Oka and why was he placed on this earth? <laughs> um, and let me just give you just a brief uh, background of my, my, my educational experience. Um, my father is a well-known scientist and uh, I was groomed to become a scientist. Uh, but uh, pretty much uh, just as I was finishing my degree, uh, I was taking a, a physics degree at Cornell University. Uh, I was also taking some dance classes and uh, something very strong uh, resonated with me working with the body. And um, I had one credit left in my university and I decided to switch course and go into modern dance. Uh, so that was <laughs> to the, uh, my dad was not quite that happy about that. Uh, but, you know, as I started realizing, um, it led me to this work that I do now. What I do here is called somatics, uh, body mind, I call body mind somatics. And, um, what that work is, is about working with people uh, from the uh, inside out. So, you know, when you're caregiving, you're usually talking about, you know, things to do, all the activities changing, uh, um, you know, uh, feeding and all these kinds of care issues. Um, but what um, is the glue kind of underneath all of that is the the state and the connections that we feel with each other. And uh, this is the area that I work in. And what I find is that across the world, where, wherever I, I meet with families and, and kids and adults, um, I find that this, when you focus 
on that aspect of the caregiving process, um, you reach another dimension. It, it's, it's almost a spiritual dimension because uh, you start to hick, hook into the sort of universal aspects of of care that's that exists inside of us. You know, the feelings and the thoughts and the just everything, the emotions. So, uh, so this is what I do. And uh, wow. I think I was put on this uh, earth to uh, to just again um, give space to that, to give the, the message that you know that they should always come first in the sure. uh, relationship between caregivers. Well, what experience do you have with caregiving? How did you get involved with caregiving or wanting to help caregivers, etc.? And yes, especially uh, the the patients who have mobility issues. Yes, uh, you know I, I started out. Uh, working uh, as a, a, a an artist actually just working to bring uh movement curriculum into a school for children with mental uh disabilities and uh in the course of that i started realizing that you couldn't just come in there with an arts agenda you know you had to come there with a deeper understanding of starting from the very beginning and so i think this is my first exposure to the idea of care you know that this caring is not something where you just do something you actually have to get in there with that person and go through that whole process of healing and whatever uh, they need uh, to get going forward and so i am not a caregiver per se but i um somehow my work has drawn me to work with families all around the world uh, i i run a particular program in which parents either families either come to my center and they stay and live there for two weeks or i go to their homes and I worked for them for two weeks. So I have this unique um, and very, very privileged uh, place where I can observe all the different things that are happening through the day. I can um, kind of help parents and caregivers work with their children or adults and and kind of, you know, just some of it is the straight sort of movement skills that I'm working with them with. But the other side of it is really how to connect with their children and to enter into their learning process and their healing process. So like cerebral palsy, um, yes. Other yes. What, what other type of uh, things do you work with? Uh, I've worked with uh, cerebral palsy, children with special needs like autism, ADHD. Um, uh, there are a lot of rare diseases, genetic disorders, uh, children and adults with strokes. Um, pretty much the gamut of all the possible things uh, in which uh, caregivers are needed. Can't even imagine a child having a stroke. I know my wife, and adults typically have strokes, but that's uh, incredible. Debbie, you got something? I, I remember when I started caregiving with my mother, and the thing that was most uh, difficult for the whole family was, how do you move her? How do you help her get from here to there? And um, even things like, how often does she need to turn over so she doesn't get bed sores? And those were the real challenges, and those were the things that I had learned when I trained as a certified nursing assistant and I real and I as I'm listening to you I realize that it's really the simplest of things how do you turn someone over how do you change their their um I can't even remember what we call them it's not diapers but anyway you know how do you change them how do you bathe them how do you do all of those things and they are things that require physical movement that if you don't know how to do it it you get hurt I mean you you're sore and but if you know how to do it it's fine. Yes. It, so it, I, I think that's wonderful that you work with people on those kinds of things. 
You know, actually, I just came back from Rio. Uh, I'm in uh, Belo Horizonte, which is another Brazilian city. But I just came from Rio, and the mother there actually had a child. And exactly what you're saying, she he's only like eight years old. Uh, by that time, the child has filled out a little bit. And um, when I got there, she had actually uh, pulled, uh, sprained her shoulder very, very badly. And uh, th this is very, very common. You know, um, as I start to uh, get in there and I work with the children, I always ask around the parents and the caregivers again, you know, is there anything up? And everybody has something. It's amazing. You just go through people's sh bad backs, bad shoulders. And, you know, they all say the same thing. They say, you know, listen, uh, I say, do you take care of it? And they go, yeah, but, you know, I really don't have time for myself. I spend, you know, my first priorities with my child or, you know, and um, so a big part of 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 my work always ends up um, with the 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 focus not only on towards the child but also with the parents and the caregivers and saying, hey, listen, you guys are hurting and and you can't keep this up. You know, the child's going to get to become a teenager, for example. What are you going to do then? And uh, to take care of yourself and to get to the gym and you know just regular ordinary things, as you said, Debbie. But so important so that everybody in the household is understanding that caregiving is actually a a, a group collaborative effort and everyone has a has to have an understanding of the the uh, issues involved the body mind issues involved yeah so not only are you caring for the uh children or patient that is uh mobility challenged but you're realizing that caregivers are going through burnout and those can uh have symptoms of almost anything mental physical emotional um do you only uh care for the physical or obviously uh you've got to deal with emotional and mental issues as well yes exactly exactly how do you exactly. do that well you know uh, let me give you another example um i was just uh the, in the two weeks before i was in uh, uh rio i was in um chandigarh india uh and there was you a, get around <laughs> there's a father there and this is uh, what we we're talking about before. There was an infant boy. He had a liver transplant. The anesthetics, uh, there was a problem with anesthesia. Child had a terrible situation. Um, he lost oxygen to the brain and he came out like, uh, with all the signs of a stroke. He, he could, he had lost his hearing, uh, he, his uh, ability to talk. I mean, and he was unable to move. And the father went into a crisis. Because that boy, his name was Ojas, which means bright, means like his face was like the moon. And he adored his father, and he was a very gifted boy. And so because of this tragedy in the hospital, uh, he had a crisis of faith. And when I got there, I had to first make him realize that children who have strokes, or anybody who has a stroke, adults also, they do not present in the ability that they actually have that you have to keep faith that that child is there. And in fact, we found that that child was able to do, he was able to actually walk, I mean, uh, sit, he was able to respond to commands, but he, the dad didn't know how to read these signs. And so he had gone into a crisis of faith. And for him, and there are many people like this, when you lose your faith, it's almost like everything around you starts to die. Everything starts to feel like a curse because an essential center for you has disappeared. So, um, you know, these issues of do not just extend to physical things at all, for sure. Uh, it's a holistic thing where uh, every aspect of our being is really at play. And we have to understand what it means to keep health in all of those areas uh, to make our caregiving um, fulfilling. 
Wow. Very interesting. Uh, and you do get to travel a lot. Is that mm -hmm. something that you um, did not realize that you were going to be traveling all over the world doing this? Did you just think you were going to have an office and <laughs> they would come to you? No, yeah, I had no idea. Um, I, I, as part of the education process, because what I do, um, this sort of body-mind internal uh, processing uh, is not necessarily usually the focus of therapy. And uh, so I've come to learn that um, that I can document my work. And because I have access to the families in a very intimate way, I've been able to document the stories of a lot of children and uh, people who are going through caregiving experiences. And uh, that those videos have uh, struck, seem to have struck a nerve. So I, I don't advertise or anything like that, but I place Ooh. videos out there for people to see. And then somehow that, um, that seems to resonate. There's definitely a need out there for people. A lot of people feel that um, the traditional therapies have plateaued out for their children mm -hmm. or their, um, and their own ability to reach the children have plateaued out. And, uh, again, I, what I try to do is reconnect them to more just simple, basic things to start from the very beginning of just like getting connection to feel that you have your state while you're working with your child, that you, uh, feel that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, all of these come into play in the type of work that I do. Debbie, do you have any questions? Yeah, I was curious about the, um, oh, interested in the whole somatic aspect of it, um, because I remember when my son graduated from college and we drove up to where he was and, and I suddenly, all and this doesn't happen, I just got, my back was incredibly sore. And I went to the chiropractor um, when I got home and she said, you know, there's really nothing wrong with your back. I think you weren't dealing with the whole aspect of your son graduating from college. And I said, Oh my gosh, you're right. That's what was wrong. And I was take, and you know, she just had that insight. And as soon as she said it, I knew she was right. That the pain, the, you know, the, the pain of dealing with your kid moving through a certain phase of their life. If you don't talk about it and let it out, it, it shows up in other ways. That was very interesting to me. Yes, it's it's fascinating this idea of 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 holding pain and not addressing that pain. It's it's a big thing um, in a lot of the cultures that I've worked with it worldwide. Um, this demonstration of you know admitting that there's a problem inside of the families is is very very you know it's it's not something that you do. And so you a lot of the caregivers, parents, and caregivers they they learn to keep everything private. And it extends so far that I had one uh, grandmother. She was the grandmother of the child I was working with. And when she was in the kitchen, she was always doing this with her hand. And I, I said, you know, is there something wrong with your hand? She said, no, 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 nothing's wrong. And I said, well, you know, you, you, you needing to lift there. Is there some mobility issue? She says, yeah, it's, a, it's hard for me to do this. Anyways, I ended up working with her. And it was a very interesting story because when I started working with her, she only spoke Portuguese. So her daughter was there. And I, she had to relay all her thoughts to her daughter. And as I was going through her body and figuring things out, there was just an, an immense amount of pain that was stored in her body that she hadn't said. And I said, and her daughter was surprised because she's like, mom, you never told me that you had all these pains. And she said, yeah, I do. And um, so I told her, you know, we, I told her, look, when you hold those pains inside, you're holding a secret. And when you're holding that secret, it, it makes it harder for everybody. You have to give out your secret. About four or five days later, after, um, you know, 
the therapy, I was getting her, her pains released and so forth. Uh, everything was going well. Um, the mother said, Yuji, I have a, a secret to tell you. And I said, what is this? And this grandmother was in a line of medical doctors, and her aunt had died of ALS. And she thought that she may have had ALS. And she was so fearful that she had, and she did not want to admit it even to herself, that she kept it in and she developed all the symptoms of ALS. And um, it was interesting for the family to see that because when they were able to see that, they were able to look at their child and start to understand that his body was all, also probably filled with secret pains and stuff. And the importance of of recognizing and starting to, you know, accommodate and to just take a little breath and to ask and to to understand and to give massages and starting to do those things in which uh, basic care is being taken care of instead of being kept as a secret. It, wow. it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, secret uh, pain is uh, kind of a taboo subject sometimes. We don't discuss this kind of pain. So how are you getting all these clients, these patients from all around the world? I mean, what kind of advertising are you doing? <laughs> no, no, it's just these videos again. Uh, I... Are you putting videos on YouTube? And what are? Tell me what the videos are about. Um, the videos are basically. I uh, there was one video that I put out, which was the first one, and it kind of went viral, um, relatively speaking. Um, and it was uh, one of the first children that I worked with with CP, and I was just showing the stages of progress. Uh, but because again, I was working very intimately with the mother, I could get interviews with her. I could show her when she had her moments of doubt. I could show uh, the different uh, difficulties in which caregiving and, and treatment and stuff were colliding. And um, uh, that video, uh, it's called The Miracle Child. Um, and that video uh, just resonated with a lot of people. And I found that as soon as people started seeing that, um, they they started realizing, wow, this is it's nice to see this whole process unfolding and uh they um you know i think they resonate with that style of 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 treatment like a testimonial video you're 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 videoing an interview you're videoing your process of of uh, counseling or whatever you call it yes um, it sounds like a great marketing plan it seems to be working <laughs> yes uh, you know but uh, honestly again uh, for me it's 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 a labor of love and um I just record. I, I've developed a way, you know, it's, it's very difficult to do filming and, and therapy at the same time sure. and have everyone uh, be comfortable with that. But somehow, um, you know, we've managed to be able to do that where, you know, again, there's a great deal of trust that's involved. Uh, but as I said, you know, my philosophy with caregiving is that uh, everyone has to be uh, connected and working as a team and everybody has to... Um, understand the issues that are involved and sometimes a, a film like this when you're doing a filming like this can galvanize that whole uh, situation so uh it really has come out more from a situation of need and um as i said a labor of love rather than you know marketing you know it's not it's not like a testimonial it's really just what happens i try to document as much as i can uh what so happens it's a, it's a camera on a tripod you're not uh, holding it or anything else or somebody else no yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, sometimes, sometimes I'll get people like I'll get a staff member, but usually, um, sometimes the parents will, will will film. It's a really interesting situation. They just uh, we have tripods and we just kind of wing it, basically. Just wow. Uh, yeah. 
That is amazing. <laughs> and how long are these videos typically? Uh, about maybe 20 minutes or so. 20 minutes or so, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite a bit of work. And uh, uh, as I said, um, you know, the therapy is obviously at the center. Uh, and, and it's sort of a project, again, that everyone sort of pulls around. Uh, mm -hmm. And all the issues come out when when you do something like this. It's just an amazing process. Um, yeah, so I really love uh, this whole way. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Do not go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back on the Healthy Life.net network with my guest, Yuji Oka. Yuji <laughs> Oka, yeah. And my lovely co-host, uh, Debbie Peterson. And we're talking about Yuji's uh, unique method of helping caregivers and patients, somatic body-mind uh, therapy. I mean, what, what's the name of this stuff? What do you call it? <laughs> um, uh, I developed a, a body-mind system called uh, Spiral Praxis. And um, basically, the adapted spiral praxis means that I'm working with people who are usually nonverbal or uh, and younger, so I, it, it's not um, as involved as the adult work that I do. Um, but basically, um, the idea here uh, is that all the techniques that I work with, and I work with many techniques, body work, meditation, uh, movement activities, um, uh, dancing, all sorts of different kinds of things. And... Uh, what I try to do is I try to bring out what's inside that child, where, where the child's interest is, where they flow, basically. When the child or um, when you can find a situation where the caregiver and the child both feel comfortable in the way that the treatment is being had, uh, then the magic can happen. And, um, and, and, and the opposite can happen. And when it's not clicking, it can be a real slog. Um, when I was in India, uh, this was very frequently the case. I found that the relationship between caregiver and patient could was almost sometimes traumatic uh, because there were certain cultural things there that make it hard. Uh, the, the the whole disability is um, not as well you known. Down upon, you mean, huh? Yeah, there's a big like stigma. A, not, um, not a not a uh, productive member of society. Just sometimes the parenting can be more physical. There can be a physical issue that that's involved with that. Um, and there is a not a very strong understanding. So even within the family, uh, people might come into the house and say, Oh, the house is a mess. What's wrong? You know, why can't you guys keep a, a, a household? These kinds of things. And so, um, have you had any success uh, these, with situations like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, you basically have to teach, um, these, uh, 
families how to create their own support systems that makes sense for them, that addresses the need. And again, there, there's something about connecting to the actual flow. There's the the way we're supposed to act. And you have to kind of throw all that out with a lot of the the, the disabilities and special needs that uh, um, you know these children present. Uh, you really have to work with the doors that they will enter into. And sometimes those doors aren't as acceptable, you know, maybe it means like jumping, you know, moving on the furniture, for example, this is the way they understand, or um, maybe it means that um, we have to work uh, with massage or something. And and so there's more uh, physical contact than normally would be in the family. Um, these are the types of issues that are that I deal with all the time. And I try to, you know, just open, you know, gently open those doors for people through education and through uh, the practical um, you know, hands-on, what do you do? Uh, like what Debbie was saying, you know, when you're working with people, how do you lift, how do you lift somebody? And this, this is a huge thing. And I, I, I had one woman from Slovenia. She had a, a son who was 25 years old and she was, uh, maybe 150 something, you know, like pounds. She would lift this boy with her. She would just lift him. And this is out of necessity. And I thought, wow, this is a super mom. And, um, but when I worked on her body, when I just pressed her back, it was like, crack, 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 crack. it was like her body her was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was really like a mess. And yeah, you know, people just figure out a way, you know, especially uh, parents who are single moms or something like that doing with caregiving situations. They're in awful, awful difficulties. And so learning just the basics. How to hold yourself? How to how to 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 maintain your own sort of physicality in the the whole process of the situation, as well as the children's. Um, these are all big things that uh, uh, needs to be addressed in these situations. Debbie, yeah, I, I think a lot. Uh, I think about so many things as you're talking, and I am really curious about how you use yoga. I I do yoga most every day now because I discovered I have I have a lot of herniated discs in my back from car accidents. And so I have a lot of pain a lot of times. And I realized if I do yoga every day, I don't have I have pain during the yoga sometimes, but I can you know, that's within my control. Um, but then I have no pain during the day. And it's incredible. So I, I can go from having days of constant pain to days of no pain if I do my yoga. And so it's worth an hour a day, apart from the fact that I enjoy it as well. It's uh, so I, I can't recommend it enough. It's a, it's really a wonderful practice for exercise, fitness, and and just for peace of mind. Yes, yes, yes. I, I ran a, a relaxation program for parents, and those were the two things: meditation and yoga, um, mm. and uh, some massage. I think um, everybody likes those things and um they're again very very basic things um it it's like you said it takes about an hour a day to really do a proper thing and um it's a question of finding that time and really making sure hey um in the time that you have you've scheduled a doctor's appointment you've scheduled the going to school you've scheduled the feeding where did you schedule the time when you're going to take some self-care and do those things uh, that's a hard lesson actually to teach uh, a lot of parents, but it's very, very necessary. And uh, it's a really good, challenging question. Yeah, it's a gentle <laughs> yeah. challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's basically what it is. You can't expect people nowadays to just change their lives. You know, in an ideal world, we'd be going to the gym and we would be um, going and meditating every night and stuff. 
Uh, what I always counsel my my parents to do is I say, listen, you know, I know that you're busy and a lot of parents and caregivers, I, they just have so much going on, other jobs and whatever whatever they may have. Um, but I always tell them, what's in the first part of your day and the last part of your day, make sure 15 minutes, 20 minutes, make sure you spend something uh, before you start thinking about um, the, the, your child's feed or whatever it is, um, take a moment for the, in those 20 minutes when you get up and when you go to sleep, just before you go to sleep, make sure you keep those moments sacred for yourself. Um, it's really important for, it, it's, uh, again, it's, for I, most of the people I work with, it's, yeah, the, their, their, their selves has gone out the window a long time ago. <laughs> And I have, to start, I have to start doing yoga. I keep saying I'm going to do it, but I, I just can't <laughs> seem to get it done. Hey, we're going to take another break. Be right back. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial. I don't believe this is happening. Anger. Oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening. To a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this? To depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Welcome back to the Caregiver Dave Show or the HealthyLife.net network with my guest Eugene Oka and Debbie Peterson, my co-host. And I wanted to ask you about, you know, many times I've discovered that caregivers don't even know they need help. They don't know that they're in bad shape. They don't know. Sometimes they don't even know they're a caregiver. You know, it might be the neighbor next door, they see him struggling, picking up a paper. Oh, let me help you with that. Next thing you know, they're getting things off top shelves. Next thing you know, they're making them breakfast. Next thing you know, they're taking them to doctor appointments. And it's like, you know, you're a caregiver. It says, what? Me? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. So do you, you come across caregivers who don't really think they even have a need for any help. They they think they're okay, even though they're they're burned out and they're frustrated and they're that aches and pains. Uh, what's your experience? Yeah, you know, uh, wh what I find in, is uh, uh, there are many examples of what you call like you know, reluctant caregivers or sort of invisible caregivers, caregivers in in, in the wings waiting. Um, for example, I, a lot of um, fathers I have are like that. They're, they're a little bit intimidated. You know, they're not sure how to deal with their children. And um, they, they love their kids. They want to work with them. And at the same time, they don't know how. They don't know how to express themselves. They don't know, uh, uh, you know, how to, they feel, they feel they don't have enough information to, to make a difference. And, um, uh, so, uh, this idea of like, uh, you know, hesitating caregivers all over the place. And what you, I think you have to do is with caregiving is, um, not focus so much on the, person to person kind of thing, which becomes almost impossible. You cannot become somebody's caregiver, you know, like so that you're always giving and they're taking, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. I think, um, caregiving, um, is, is runs both ways. You know, there, the, there's a, uh, 
in all ways, and you know, in all the different ways that it can happen. Uh, um, it's all about caring, really. And um, when you realize that you you stop trying to feel like you have to do everything, uh, but instead you get involved in the process of caring, uh, and you try to um, get everyone involved with just caring. And when everyone starts to care, um, sometimes that means the other side they they can receive care. A lot of the the, the primary caregivers in a situation have forgotten how to receive care, uh, especially after COVID, for example. They, uh, they, they've been isolated. Uh, they just find that working with other people, it's almost like a, a nuisance. It's, it's too much. They, so they, they've learned to just handle things themselves. And then uh, all of a sudden, they've lost their support team. And it's so important to have a support team. It's important to have a team that cares. So, yes, uh, I look at caring as a, as a flow. Uh, that runs in, you know, sort of bi-directionally in all sorts of different ways. And um, when you are able to show fathers who are reluctant, for example, that, listen, it's it's not about, you know, just picking up after your child. It's It's just showing them care. Give them care and let them care for you as well. And... Um, uh, and just let everybody do that. And as as that sort of mentality takes place, uh, the process becomes less about again just a a, a job, a, a duty, and becomes more uh, of a living process. You brought up support groups. You know, support is so important because um, unless we can vent to other people our frustrations, you know, get it out instead of keeping it in, internalizing it, uh, then you're not going to be healthy. You know, that's where cancer comes from, uh, ulcers, you know, all sorts of um, problems. But um, if we start venting to the wrong people, then, uh, like you said, we're going to start losing our support team. Um, there should be a special group of people that are just like us. They need to vent to us. We need to vent to them, call the support group. And, uh, you know, and not to isolate ourselves and, and stop doing things that we used to do before we became a caregiver, like going out to lunch with a friend or going to the gym or having that yeah. cup of coffee or getting our nails done. Uh, so I assume you agree with all of that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that um, this is what uh, there's a certain amount of uh, of self-confidence that you need to do that, because sometimes, again, you will break certain social strictures like you don't always find that support where you would expect it sometimes for example as i said um in some of the uh communities that have been the extended family is actually a difficult place to to get support they they do support um but in some areas they don't support and so you have to kind of understand that there are sort of your inner circle of people who understand and find those people uh, and then work your way out. Uh, you know, if you find the proper place, there's always a way that the support is helpful. But if you try to find, let's say, this intimate support, you want understanding and you want it from a group of people who might be able to drive you places and do this, but they're, they're not going to understand, like, why is the child, why, why isn't the child communicating? Why did yeah. you go to the bathroom? You have to find, um, the appropriate sort of circles where like you say, minded. hey, yeah, like-minded people, and 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 where 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 you can discuss the most most important things, and then other places where it can be more sort of pragmatic. You know, you find places where it's just like uh, carpooling or things where people can give support, but it's not necessarily for understanding, but just it can help on on a, on a, on a, on a just more day-to-day -day level kind of thing. 
So I, I, I try to uh, get people to understand that caregiving support is is not just having being definitely not by yourself and not even just being by inner circle, but learning how to 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 find ways to use your existing um, social network and to just um, try to use those people in ways and collaborate with them in ways that are um, in the ways that they can help. Yeah, and, you find there's always support a way. groups. Uh, they're hard to find, first of all. Find that they're easily accessible in other countries like India or. No, no, no. Uh, do they even know nothing. what a support group is? You know? No, no. Actually, you know, I, in fact, I um, often when I go to travel to places, if I'm going to travel, I need to work with two or three families to to make uh, all the things and the ends meet. Put them together. And, uh, yeah. And when I asked uh, the families here, nobody knew anybody. Actually, they were just like, I don't I don't know anybody. Isolated. Yeah, they're completely isolated. And I, as I said, uh, even if they brought the kids to school, sometimes the kids would be ostracized by other, by other classmates. So uh, they have a very difficult uh, job ahead of them. Uh, and that's why I'm saying they have to have a kind of pioneering spirit. They have to kind of say, hey, listen, we, we're paving the path for uh, you know people to understand that this is the way you have to handle the situation. You have to take medicine to your own hands a little bit. Uh, but if you do look, the, there are people there. And even your existing social network can be used if you understand what you can and cannot expect from them. I was in a, a place where I was. I had a couple of situations with with working with my son as a single mom, and I remember both times um, a friend who was a psychologist saying to me, "You know, you it would be really need their support more than usual." And I, that would that never occurred to me to say something like that. That it was hard and embarrassing, but I did, and it's changed our relationship. It's given me a whole new. Ex- extended family because now I'm a part of their extended family and friends Mm -hmm. and my son is we were anyway but it's made it more and then the other thing I did is is both my son's grandfathers had had died but he had a step-grandfather my stepfather who I didn't really have a great relationship with he didn't like me very much Um, but he was a nice man he was a kind man and I said to him that he was the only grandfather my son would ever have. And he had a really important role to be my son's grandfather. And he was, he took it on and it was just wonderful, wonderful. So I think Mm. what you're saying is sometimes we have to say to people, I need you in my life and my my child needs you in their life. Mm. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Those are beautiful examples of uh, like a creative, it's, it's almost creative, right? You're almost making your own, sort of um, uh, social social uh, community. And uh, yeah, and, and um, I find that those people who do that, they, they find a very fulfilling, and the child especially has a very, very strong environment in which they can grow. Yeah, it occurs to me now, and I never thought of it then, that that did mean a lot to my stepfather. He had lost his son when his son was died in a car accident at the age of 16. And it was something he could never talk about because he was so deeply wounded by that. Um, so probably to be able to be a grandfather to a boy was a very special thing for him. And he he did it very specially. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think this is something that's not spoken of, enough about, you know, that that's also another part of the beauty. You know, caregiving is not, again, a duty and a drudgery. Um, when you have uh, people like that who appreciate, who understand the the, the meaning of the caring, and that you know there's a human being who requires that help uh, they they they're not born under the circumstances that we we're born under it sometimes brings people's lives into perspective in a way that uh, they could get in no other way and i frequently find that i i know for for a fact that the 
the parents almost universally, if the child has a severe disability, they they will say that the meaning of their lives runs through their child, that their child has uh, mm. led them to discover something very, very important about the, the way they're living their own lives. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go on our last break. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Welcome back to the Caregiver Dave Show on the HealthyLife.net network with my guests, Yuji Oka and Debbie Peterson, my co-host. And let's talk about the spiritual dimension of caregiving because, you know, a lot of people kind of ignore that. And it is an important aspect that is often overlooked. And uh, yeah. how do you find the spirituality? Is it is it more in different parts of the world or less than America? Uh, no, I, I think that um, people will define it differently, you know, according to the religion and culture that they're from. Um, but the basic elements are, are common for sure, I think, uh, uh, across the board. And that is that caregiving, again, is... Um, you know, that first question that you ask, you know, why are you here on earth? Uh, always comes up. And I think it's very appropriate that you get the question. It comes up. That's what is the question that comes up. Um, because as soon as a child or someone needs you and you look at that situation and you have to make decisions as to what your, what role you're going to play in that person's life. Um, it may be a tangential role. It may be a full on, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do my very best to work with that child or, um, it's 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 there the question is there and so i think that um uh with all the people um that i work with eventually you know we go through the physical parts we talk about the ways that we can deal with our body take care of our bodies we talk about pains we talk about um the emotions and the thoughts we go through but ultimately it comes down to these bigger questions of like you know I, I feel like I, I need to change a job or I, I think I might move. And you ask them why. And then finally, it's not a pragmatic question that's involved. It's something along the lines of because I need to spend more time connecting with the things that I feel most connected to. And so I think caregiving definitely brings this up. Um, if I can, I, if I can give you just a father had discussed with me his own uh, particular spiritual crisis. And, you know, he said, I'm lost. He says, frankly, I'm just lost. And uh, it was because he had come to that question of caring. He had a difficult childhood. I don't want to get into too much about it. But basically, 
he had always had to take responsibility for the family. And if anything went wrong, he was sort of, you know, he was the one who was to take root into his heart. And that value was that there's no one to blame here. There's we're, We have to make things work. We have to all work together to make things happen. Um, and we have a very big challenge uh, with our child and we have to make it work. And it, there's, there's no reason to feel guilt or blame or any of that kind of stuff. We just have to figure out, you know, how do we go forward? And so it's a spiritualism and it's very pragmatic. It brings out this whole connection between, you know, it's not just this like, I love my kid as an angel. It's like, and it's, I got to take care of my kid on earth and he's my angel. And so <laughs> I, I find that paradox is what brings about this whole spiritual sort of question. Well, in this spiritual question, you know, like, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Faith, you know, do you have faith? Mm. Faith will either, or challenge will either make you bitter or better. Do you have a lot of those different kind of issues that people quander? Yeah, are- you know, <laughs> that can get into a big discussion, you know, about this and that, and, you know, uh, lots of uh, different theology, ideologies and so forth. But, you know, I like to keep it simple because I feel like, the again, caregiving is the vehicle for that discussion to take place, and it's enough. Like, you know, we don't really have to get into the, the religious aspects of it. I mean, it's just all the spiritual part of it is all there. The decisions that the parents make, the um, whether they are going to pay attention to, um, you know, how they feel on the inside, I feel like that is where the the spirit, you know, the human spirit feel is is most alive. And they have to, once they start to hook into that space and realize the power of that, like, you know, that they actually do fulfill, they can handle any challenge as long as the feeling inside of them is feels round and and strong and robust when that's there for them um they can they can tackle the world uh and the opposite is true too when when if they lose that for a second if they make the mistake at some point and just say you know i give up or they 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 suffer this incalculable loss they 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 have to find themselves again and have to go wait a second i got to get back to that place i can't live in a place where everything is a curse I wanted to ask you, because we talked about yoga, uh, how do you often get people to start doing it when they're just not used to doing it or don't even know what it is? And uh, UG, really fast, running out of time, about uh, 30 seconds, if you can comment on that. Yeah, basically, I always tell my my my, my caregivers, it's like, look, there's the school of hard knocks waiting for you if you're going to, this, to, to uh, thing, you know, you get that injury and then you realize you either figure that out when you hit that, your bed, your back gives out on you or you start and you find something, as Debbie said, something that's, that's enjoyable for you. And so, yes, it's, it's, it's a, sometimes hard to make that first step, but it's the most necessary step for sure. Hey, well, I can't believe how fast this time has gone. How can people get a hold of you if they want to know more about you or maybe invite you over to their country or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> um, my website is uh, spiralmovement.org. Uh, spiral, as in, sp- in this shape, spiralmovement.org. Uh, and yeah, there's some contact uh, inf- uh, uh, places that you can reach me there. Great. And uh, do you have a book out there or not yet? No, in the works, in the works, I mean- in the works. Uh, in the meantime, though, again, I do have a YouTube channel it's called Adaptive Spiral Praxis, and um, a lot of my work is, is is shown there. Well, hopefully you'll be able to put this video on your uh, YouTube channel. I definitely, will. Great. I definitely will. And Debbie, uh, how do people get a hold of you to find out how amazing you are? 
<laughs> Thank you, Dave. The easiest way is at mayordebbie.com. And I, I talk a lot with folks how to um, work with their local government and make sure that it's serving them. So that's mayordebbie.com, M-A-Y-O-R, and then my name. Great. And I just want to uh, say that this, people that this show is on all video platforms. And if you remember to hit the like button on whatever platform you're watching, that you can help Google help more caregivers watch it and listen to it. And just a reminder, uh, my number one best-selling book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, it is spreading wisdom all over the world, available wherever books are sold and on my caregiverdave.com website. And you can also schedule a free 30-minute initial call to talk about whatever it is you're struggling with. 30 minutes of wisdom can often resolve a debilitating problem. True heartfelt thank you to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver radio show on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again.